Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Thank you. Come on, I just, I don't know, I just sense something's on this word today. As you see, I just, I don't know, man. I just feel like, uh, the, I just feel like the devil's been whispering in my ear for the last week, couple weeks, Ryan, don't preach on money around Christmas time. <laughs> you say, Ryan, why are you preaching on money? Man, I just sense God wants to bring such breakthrough. I believe he wants to bring a supernatural breakthrough that has nothing to do with you. <laughs> like it has not, like so much so that you look at what God's done and you say, how? How did God do this? How did God bless us like this? How did God come through like this? Man, I thought that if I worked my buns off and did this and worked hard here and invested into that, that my finances would be like this. But man, I just find God just does it. And I don't know how. People ask you, how did God do that? You say, I don't even know. Just, he's just good. He's just faithful. You want to know why I choose to teach on money at the end of the year? Because uh, Christmas is really about God giving his tithe. He gave his first and he gave his best and his name was Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus came and he died. God gave everything for us. And a heart is not just to give uh, a few to him, but to give him everything to him, Amen. As I mentioned in the first service, this money series has nothing to do with an issue in our church. Come on. So this series doesn't come from me having a problem with our finances. That's been the problem and the issue was for so long in churches, pastors often get up and teach about money because there's a problem with it. And so it's like, okay, we're going to get up there and I'm going to try my best to not hit you too hard with the word, but come on, everyone give because we got a problem. we got to pay someone and we got to take care of this and take care of that and bless their hearts. They're trying their best. But at the end of the day, I want you to know we teach on money because we believe that God has a plan for your finances. God has an ultimate objective for your finances. And I believe in our, uh, our um, uh, creating, uh, help me somebody, creating margin series, we laid a very biblical foundation. Again, please, I put it in our heart for the house email. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. Please go back and listen to that series. And here's why. I believe it's a very biblical foundation for how our biblical finances should look like. The first week I talk about this is exactly what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us to live on 80%. Did you know that? Oh, come on, somebody. When most Canadians live on 120%. We should be living on 80, praise God. Be the most generous people on the planet. The second week, we talk about this ancient reality of tithing, and I give you the biblical foundation of tithing. You say, Ryan, tithing's not in the New Testament. Jesus didn't need to teach on tithing in the New Testament because it was already in the framework of their culture. It had been there since the very foundation of time, and if you hear it, you'll, you'll go back and listen to it. And then we talk about biblical giving. Tithing is not giving. Tithing is not generosity. Tithing is returning what already belongs to the Lord. 
And so when we give above and beyond our tithe, that's where that supernatural blessing lives. And I can show it to you in scripture. Go back and listen. I want to encourage you, go back and listen because it'll lay a really biblical foundation. Last week, we jumped into this idea of, of uh, in Jesus teaching. And before I get into that idea, I just want to share with you the scripture that I read in our Hebrews class. I read it and I just was so impacted by it. I thought, I gotta, the Lord's like, you got to teach on this. I've never taught on this scripture before. The, word in, the wording in this scripture actually articulates a different vantage point that isn't articulated in other, when this word is used in other parts of scripture, it's actually taken from a completely different vantage point. Look at the scripture. It's, a, it's probably now one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible. Look what it says, Hebrews chapter 13. I don't, I don't know if this is not working, Joel, or let me get it up there real quick. Sermons. Thank you, Joel. My friend, thank you very much for your help. Come on now, let's read this together. Look at this. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because, somebody say because. Because God has said, his word says, God has promised he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And I love this part. So because God's word says it, I'm going to say with absolute confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Now, the interesting thing about this scripture is that when the author of Hebrews wrote this in chapter 13, this was like a, basically, he just shotguns a bunch of, a bunch of ways, uh, ways to live a godly life. And in this little section, he's actually attacking fear. If you look at the two Old Testament passages of scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 31 and Psalms chapter 118, both of the context of those Old Testament verses, which we'll look at, are in the context of fear. And so he relates the keeping yourself free from the love of money and being content with this idea of fear. I'm worried that maybe God will leave me and God maybe will forsake me. I'm worried that maybe God won't help me and that it causes fear in my life. Fear about the future. Fear if God, I'm going to fulfill my dreams. Fear if I want to pay my bills. Fear if God's going to provide. Fear if I can send my kid to college. If you have more kids than me, then too, you've got a lot of fear about weddings and stuff, right? Fear, fear, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I got to work more. I got to do more. I got to provide more. I got to go, 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 go. Fear, 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 fear. And what the author is trying to teach you today is that you no longer have to be afraid because my God will never leave me and he will never forsake me. He is my helper. I don't have to be be afraid. Remember last week we talked about the idea of, of Jesus talking to us. Now, if you don't like this verse, take it up with Jesus, because I did not write it. Uh, Jesus said it. No one can serve two masters. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there is no, there's not multiple options here. It's not an in-between version. You can only serve one master. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The word money there is the Aramaic word for mammon, and it's a Babylonian god, the god of riches. So he says, you cannot serve two masters. You can either serve the spirit of God or the spirit of riches. 
You can serve the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon. The decision is yours. And remember, Jesus here was talking to his disciples. Those others were listening in the room who maybe didn't know him. But he was saying, listen, if you're going to serve God, you've got to no longer serve the spirit of mammon, which means there are two competing spiritual realms for your finances. Now, remember, it's not just about money. It's not just about coinage. It's not just about money can be used for God's purposes. Money isn't the issue. It is the underlying spirit attached to money, the spirit of riches, the spirit of wealth, envy of other things that you want, need more, need bigger. The idea of having more than enough, more than your container can allow. We are impacted by the spirit of mammon all the time. And as we look at this scripture here today, we will see something very powerful. Now, what I did was, is I wrote a paragraph, took all the definitions and the concepts of this Hebrews chapter 13 verse, and I put it into a paragraph to help us understand exactly what the author is saying right up front. It says this, keep your character, which is this first phrase, keep your character and your way of life free from the spirit of mammon. Keep it away and ward it off, which is the the Greek definition for contentment in this verse, to keep it away, to ward off by raising a barrier of protection, by elevating God with your finances. Look what he says. God's word says, God will never leave or forsake me, so now I say with absolute confidence that the Lord is my defender, who surrounds and protects me in my finances. Therefore, I don't have to be afraid anymore. As I mentioned, the idea of this keep your lives free is the idea of keeping your character free, keeping your manner of life free, keeping your mind free, not envy other people's things and not need more, 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 not make decisions based upon getting, getting rich or wealthy, but being in a, making decisions that position you in a place where you have just enough to meet your needs. It can impact your conversation. In fact, this phrase here, oddly enough in the Greek, actually means the word revolution. That word revolution means that you can be, when you're you're impacted by something, it turns you around. It it takes you off kilter. It it impacts your life. So here you are in your life and you're, you're, you're serving the spirit of God and all of a sudden a promotion comes and you know the promotion is gonna make you work more and you're gonna miss your family more and it's gonna disconnect you from the house of God more. But man, the money is really, really good. And so I allow the God of riches to engage my heart and what happens is I am impacted and my life is turning around. It impacts me. It knocks me off kilter. What you don't realize is that the spirit of mammon can impact you at any moment. It is constantly trying to get your heart. It's constantly trying to steal your contentment. See, my contentment is satisfaction in God. It's the ability to raise up a banner, to raise up a barrier of protection so that the spirit of mammon cannot take away my contentment. Every single day we are tempted with the spirit of mammon, the more, the buy, the the sell, the money, the wealth. Some of you in this room have a greater container for wealth than I do. 
Some of you here make much more than I do, and that's because the Lord's given you a grace capacity to handle more because I don't need any more. I have all that I need. I don't need more money. I got all that I need. God is faithful to me. And in your life, you might make double what I make, but that's your container. And God's given you a grace to handle more. So having more money isn't bad. But when our heart is impacted by the spirit of mammon, we begin to make decisions in our life based upon getting rich or based upon wealth or based upon envy or based upon these different things. We need to be careful that we are not impacted by the spirit of mammon. Keep your lives free from the love of money. And then he tells us how and be content with what you have. This is a very interesting word. As I mentioned, the word actually means to keep something away by raising up a barrier, to raise up a protective barrier around you so that this will not steal my contentment. It's this idea that you're in a state and mind. The word means satisfaction. The word means to feel as though I have enough. It means to, the word means to experience adequacy, enough, enough, containing adequate amount to be in a place where you recognize I have all I need and I have been protected by the devourer. I've been protected by the spirit of mammon. I'm keeping a barrier up. I'm, I'm not allowing this to impact my life. I'm keeping up a protection, and I'm doing that by elevating God with my finances. Now, we need this barrier between us and mammon because our tendency, as I mentioned, is to slip into the spirit of mammon. You may not realize this, but as followers of Jesus Christ, every single day, we are threatened with the potential of our heart straying away from God. No matter how close you are to Jesus today, the Bible all throughout Scripture teaches us that we have a potential of drifting away from God in the area of unbelief, just like the people of Israel did. And every day we are tempted, every day we are challenged with the spirit of mammon, constantly vying for what? Our affection. Constantly wanting our attention. Constantly wanting our heart. We have to recognize that the spirit of mammon wants to destroy your contentment by destroying your finances. And when we drift away from a state and a place of contentment from trusting in God, then listen, there is therefore no protection for your finances. When we drift away from God by being led by the spirit of God, we begin to engage the spirit of mammon. The first thing to go is your contentment. And when contentment leaves... Guess what happens? Now we begin to lack trust in the Lord. And when we lack trust in the Lord, I'm, here, I'm, I'm preaching and prophesying to you to hear me today. Your finances are no longer protected. There's something supernatural in the world we need to understand about this idea of contentment is raising up a barrier of protection so that the rest of my finances are protected from the spirit of mammon trying to steal away my idea of the spirit of mammon coming into my life, taking away my contentment, and now I'm no longer trusting in God because I don't have enough. And when I don't longer trust in God, the thing that happens is our finances are no longer protected and we've opened up our finances for the devourer to come and destroy. And I will show it to you in scripture. I want you to understand something today. That this is all about us and our heart with the Lord. 
See, money in our heart has a supernatural correlation. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God doesn't need your treasure. He just wants your heart. We see in the Old Testament scripture, there was a time when the people of Israel had drifted away from God and this, this, this minor prophet began to prophesy to the people to return back to God. And he says, I want you to return back to me. And they begin to stray away from the Lord. They, their hearts begin to turn away to him. They had slipped or turned away from him. They begin to slip out of devotion to God and they'd stepped out of affection with him. They begin to give their lives to the spirit of mammon. They begin to slip into a state. And the Bible tells us exactly what happened, that the devourer began to destroy the fruit of their crops and the, the wine on their vineyards. And they begin to see their income be destroyed. And we see in this scripture that the, the, the author, or the prophet articulates what happens when we return to the Lord in a specific area in our lives. In Malachi chapter three, it says, and thereby put me to the test, the only time in scripture, when God gives you permission to test him. I think that if God's giving us permission to test him in something, we should take it. It says, hereby, this says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is so much you can buy as many cars as you need and you can buy all the clothes you want, Gucci, 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 and all that stuff. No, no, a blessing until there is no more what? No more need. He says, test me in this. I'll open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Look at this. And I will rebuke the devourer. I will rebuke the spirit of mammon for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil, which means it had been. And your vine in the field shall not fail to bear fruit, which it had been. Says the Lord of hosts, let all nations will call you blessed, amen, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts, God is saying, come on, I want you to come back into relationship with me in a specific area. And when you do, when you get your affection focused back on me, what will happen is, is I'll protect you. Come on, I want to bless you. You'll be back in a state of contentment. You'll know that God is enough and that everything God provides for you, he'll satisfy you. He'll meet every need. He'll never fail you. He'll never let you down. But there's a specific area in which God is calling the people to return to him. It says in Malachi, verse 7, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return to you? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yes, you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In the tithes and in the offerings. He says, bring the whole tithe. The word tithe means 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you. Do you see this? That when the people of God return to God with their heart by giving of their tithe, it created a protection for their finances. In this tithe, there's something powerful about the tithe. A tithe is an investment into contentment. I have found this through my entire life as I've been a tither, even most recently, that whenever I give my tithe to the house of the Lord, something happens in my spirit. The first thing I feel is fear. The second thing I feel is rest and satisfaction. Now, you know what I'm talking about. You write that check and they go, oh, it's a lot of money. And you give it and you're like, oh, am I going to be able to do this? 
And guess what happens? The moment you make that investment, you're investing into your contentment and the contentment creates a barrier so that the spirit of mammon can't come into your life and impact you. And so now you've got this protective barrier because you've initiated God's protection over your finances. See, you have to understand something about the tithe. It's very important you understand that when you return your tithe and offering to the Lord, it starts with your heart. He wants your heart. And this is a way to keep the spirit of mammon out of our lives. This tithe is an ancient natural, uh, supernatural rather practice that was practiced from the beginning of time. And the tithe is the first portion of your finances and the first fruits of your tithe, of your income. What happens is, is he redeems and protects the rest. And so when you give to the Lord in your finances, the first of your, flaw, your crops, it says he blesses and redeems and sets apart the rest. He blesses the rest. As I mentioned earlier, the reality is, is that tithing is not generosity. The offering is generosity. A tithe is simple obedience to return to God what he already gave to us. He says, I just want the tithe. Why does he want the tithe? Here's why. The tithe is holy to the Lord. Look what it says. And tithe everything from the lamb with a grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy. It is set apart. There's something supernatural about that tithe that when I take this sacred 10%, this sacred tithe and say, all right, Lord, I'm gonna give this back to you. Guess what he does? He says, all right, son and daughter, now I'm gonna redeem and protect. You will do more with 90% than you will with your 100%. He says, I wanna protect it. He says, I wanna redeem it. He says, I'm gonna rebuke the devourer from trying to destroy it. He says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I am your helper. You do not have to be afraid. This is holy to the Lord. And he says, test me in this. Test me. So, okay, God, I'm gonna test you. I'm gonna step out in faith. And Lord, I'm gonna give what's holy back to you. And God, this is what I, I don't give to you. Listen, we don't give a tithe to God because we will get something in return because guess what? We're not promised we will receive above and beyond. We're promised that he'll protect. We're promised he'll provide enough. He'll take the 90% that you have and he'll say, this is going to be enough, just like the oil from last week. I'm just gonna keep providing. I'm gonna do miracles with that 90% that you could never do with that 100%. And he says, it's holy to the Lord. And every time we make that tithe unto the Lord, what happens is he says, okay, God, I want you to, I want you to show yourself. Imagine that for a moment that I can do something and say, okay, God, you promised. All right, Lord, I'm trusting you. I, I only got 90% left here, but I, I, I got 100% of it accounted for. Maybe that's the issue. And say, God, okay, God, here we go. I'm gonna trust you in this. All right, Lord, this is what I'm expecting your word says. I'm expecting you're gonna, you're gonna destroy the devourer. I'm expecting you're going to bless me to the point of enough. I'm, I'm, I'm expecting, God, that people are going to look at me and say, man, that guy's blessed. Man, his, his home, his, his sanctuary, his home, his land, it's a blessed land. I'm trusting, not that God's going to, come on now, give it, and you'll give 100,000 back. Like, come on, come on now, hallelujah. Give you 10 and you get 100,000 back. Woohoo! No, that doesn't belong to us in the first place. And when I tithe every day, it's an investment into my contentment. All right, Lord, if you can truly do with 90 or 80%, with more than what I could do with 100, that's a, that, that 10% is the container of contentment for your life. 
See, you got to get the 10% out, so that's where that contentment lies. That's what I was thinking about during the service. I just want, I was trying to think of an illustration. But just imagine the 90% here. See, we can't have contentment until you put, give that away. Like, this here is where the contentment lives. This is where God says, okay, I want to provide for you. Come on, this right here, this, this little tie that, that I want to, it's holy to the Lord. You give this back to me, and what happens is you step into a, bar- a protective barrier of contentment where the devil cannot devour. He blesses, he redeems, he protects, he multiplies, he do things you could never do with this 90%. But it starts with us saying, okay, God, I'm going to keep myself from the love of money by being content. And the way to be content isn't just a state of mind. It is a conscious decision that, God, I'm going to put you first in my finances. I'm going to give what's holy to you. I'm going to step into this 10% area. Ooh, and I'm protected. There's a barrier of contentment around me. He says, all right, Lord, do your thing. All right, Lord, take care of us. A need comes up. Oh, we're going we're to meet that need, God. I don't know how we're going to meet it, but we're going to meet it. Oh, somehow he pays that mortgage. Somehow he pays that car bill. Somehow he helps us pay down that debt. Somehow he, he gives us just enough so that I can bless that person. And I don't have to worry. I'm not afraid anymore. I don't, I'm, in this, I'm in this container of contentment standing in this holy place where my money used to live. I'm in this spot. I look around and I say, all right, Lord, (laughs) this is what it feels like to have enough. This is what it feels like to feel content. This is what it feels like to be in a state of satisfaction when I just trust you with this tithe, this 10%. God, I'm going to return to you, return my heart to you, saying, Lord, this is holy to you. I'm going to encourage you today to test the Lord in it. Test him. I'm not allowed to say it anymore, but I promise you, I am a living, breathing example of someone who lives in that container. I don't know if it's a supernatural thing or how I'm wired, but I'm telling you, money, we're very good with our money, we're stewards of the money, but I just don't care. I'm in a place where I just know the Lord's gonna provide, and somehow, some way, we're able to give money away Somehow, some way, we were able to have nice things. I have a nice motorcycle. It's paid off. Hallelujah. Whoop, whoop. I have an allowance. I spend money on fishing gear. I blow it all. My wife thinks I'm an idiot. I'm not here today. I'm not here today speaking from a place of pride or arrogance today. I want you to know that. I'm speaking to you from a place of just saying, the reason we're talking about this is because I believe that the devourer has been running rampant on followers of Jesus' finances because they heard a message on tithing somewhere in church and the pastor either manipulatively taught it or the devil twisted the thought and now they think that tithing is something pastors preach on just to get your money. That is not the case. That's a lie from the devil. The devil's trying to devour believers' finances because he knows this is holy. He knows. We return to the Lord in that way. We know that if we just return back to the Lord in that spot, What happens is tithing will bring this contentment. Tithing will bring this place in my life where I trust in the Lord. It initiates the protection of God. It initiates the redemption of God. We'll say, Ryan, do I have to pay to get that? No, no, no. Listen, God wants to bless you and God wants to provide for you as as your father, as your son and his daughter. God will always, always provide for you and take care of you. But I want you to know there is another level of partnership with God 
When you begin to realize this partnership with God, God's always gonna take care of you. He's a faithful God. He's way more compassion loving than I as a dad will ever be. Isn't our God good? But he does teach in scripture. There is a supernatural partnership with God where I say, all right, Lord, you are much better with my finances than I am. And he wants to bring breakthrough. In 2022, he wants to bring breakthrough from debt. In 2022, he wants to bring breakthrough from fear. It could start today too, but 2022, it sounds better. <laughs> I'm like, oh shoot, I got three, three weeks of, of fear left. <laughs> Get it out of your system. He wants to bring supernatural transformation in your life in 2022. I, I believe prophetically that our church will be a church, not that people don't have debt, because we all have some form of debt, but that when people come to our church who have debt or are dealing with money, the Lord will give them strategy with partnership in the room. They'll be able to get a, a ungodly debt in a position where they can bless the kingdom of God, where they can, we want to plant hundreds of churches. And, you know, we, want, we need to get facilities. We want to, you know, I'm going to talk about it in a couple of weeks, but we love this city, love this city, feed this city, clothe this city, prison ministry, foster the city. We have a big dream, big vision for our church and for, we want to bless, you know how often we give to churches in our city? We give thousands and thousands of dollars away to just churches in our city just to say, we love you, be blessed, go for God's kingdom. It's not just about our church, it's about God's church, right? Come on, and we want you to partner with us in this, but not just that, we want to see God do something supernatural in your marriage. We want to see God do something supernatural in your heart, in your mind, amen? We want to see God do something great in your life. And it starts by understanding that contentment isn't just a state of mind. You can't just read a self-help book or do some meditation with your fingers crossed together and all of a sudden, whoosha, there you go. Contentment is a conscious decision to put God first. Now, let's jump back into this verse for a couple seconds, just with our remaining time, because it's such a powerful passage of Scripture. It says this in, in Ephesians, there it is, or Hebrews, not Ephesians. I mean, I'm not preaching from Ephesians. Hebrews chapter 13, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. The author chose to take an Old Testament passage of Scripture. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 31, where the people of Israel had spent 40 years in the wilderness. And do you know why they spent 40 years in the wilderness? One word, unbelief. Two years into their journey, God took them to the border and said, go on in. They said, there's enemies. How are we going to take over this land? How are we going to possess the, the land and the property and the blessing that you have for us when all of these enemies are out there to destroy us? And God says, hey, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to devour your enemy. Just put me first. They said, no, we don't believe you. They stepped back and they wandered for another 38 years in the wilderness. And the generation that wasn't willing to go in died in the wilderness. The next generation rose up. In the 40th year, Moses stood before the people and said, hey, we've been here before. Let's just choose to trust in the Lord because God will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. And the people of God went into the promised land and took what was theirs, took back from the devil Look back from the enemy what he tried to destroy from God's people. Many of you have had years and years and years of unbelief and fear, either in your parents or other people or other environments. Today, we break that in your life right now, and we say, God will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. We, together, are going to go into the land that God's called for us. Amen? And then he continues. He says, because of this, because I know that God will never leave me, 
and God will never forsake me. Come on, I want this to be on your lips. So we say with confidence. I say with courage. The Lord is my helper. This is written by David in Psalms chapter 118. Before he was king, he was being attacked by Saul. He was experiencing tremendous persecution. He was worried about the future. David was experiencing natural fear about what God was calling him to do. And the author chose the context of this verse where David, the man after God's own heart, was being crippled with fear about God's, the future and money and family and all sorts of things. We don't know what to do. Fear was capturing David's heart. And the author took this little scripture and he brought it all the way over to the New Testament. And he took that word helper, which is the only time used in the New Testament to describe God. He used the Hebrew word from uh, Psalms chapter 118, and this word helper means defender. It means he wants to surround and protect you. He says, you know what? I say with confidence because the people of Israel went in and they said God will not forsake them and God will not leave them. And because I've seen people go before me, I've seen this person or that individual who's lived by faith and man, they've kept God as their focus point. And you know what? They went into the promised land. They saw breakthrough in debt. They saw, because God's word says it, I'm gonna say it with confidence. God, you are gonna be my defender. God, you are gonna surround me with protection. God, you are gonna go before me and you are gonna stop the fear in my life today I will no longer be afraid. I speak to the spirit of fear that is attached to the spirit of mammon. And I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. See, the fruit of the spirit of mammon is fear. And the author knew that. You got, in order to keep yourself from the love of money, to be content. This is why. Because I know. Okay, Lord, I'm going to give what's holy to you. This is my my step towards contentment because I know that contentment is the place I can live where nothing can attack me, where my finances are protected, where God, you're rebuking the devourer. You are being my surrounder. You are being my protection. You are being my help. And it starts by a step into this ancient thing that God taught us throughout scripture to say, Lord, the first belongs to you. Here it is, God. I step into this place of contentment. And guess what's the first thing to go? Fear. It's gone. It's gone. I don't have to worry about my future. I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay for that stinking wedding for my daughter. Hallelujah. Now, do I need to be smart? Do I need to invest? Do I need to, yes, you need to be smart and wise and put money away and savings? Of course. But I want you to know that today, as a follower of Jesus, you can live a life where you live by faith and not by sight. You can live a life where you trust fully in the Lord. You can live a life where you don't have to worry about tomorrow. Today is enough trouble of its own. You can live a life where you can daily walk in a personal relationship with God, where money doesn't have to be a fight in your home again, where money doesn't have to be a point of contention in your relationship with God again, where you do not have to allow the spirit of mammon to enter your home ever again because it's been eradicated by the, by the defender, by our God, by our helper, by our King of kings and Lord of lords. This is what I want for you. I want you to experience freedom, joy, satisfaction, and contentment in the presence of God, knowing he will take care of you. But you 
have to put Jesus first. Would you close your eyes for a minute this morning? I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you forward or I just want to know who's, who am I identifying with? Who, who's like, yeah, that, I like that today. I want that for myself. Maybe you're dealing with fear. Maybe you've allowed the spirit of mammon and you've been walking around in it for 38 years. And you're like, you know what? No more. I'm going in. Yeah. I want every eye closed in this place today. I want to pray. You're here today and you say, Ron, I'm just dealing with some fear. I've been dealing with this area of my life and I want to see breakthrough in my life. Just real quick, put your hand up, put it right back down. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want to pray for you. That's all. Come on, anybody else in the room? Come on, just real quick. Put it up real quick. Come on, by faith, like an act of faith. Come on, anybody else in the room? Come on, tons of folks with their hands up. Amen. Father, I just pray. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Father, right now, Jesus. I pray for a contentment to fill every single yes. person in this room. Jesus, you are enough. You satisfy all of my needs. We just declare today over every home and over every family that, Jesus, you are the first in our home. We put you first in every area, God, and we say, Father, we trust you. I pray, Father, for these people today that are being convicted or feel fear in their life or have made mistakes and don't know how to get back on track. Today, we declare that, God, you are the first in our life. We will put you first, and we will serve you with all of our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Father, we pray for those in the room and online watching who'd like to give their life to you, Jesus, who want to be under your protection and be under your care. I pray today that they make a public confession of faith, believing that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life. Lord, we love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.